Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by guest speaker, Reverend Dr. Munther Isaac. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30, in the New Testament section of your Red Pew Bibles, beginning on page 26. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Almighty God, in you are hidden all the treasures and knowledge. Open our eyes that we may see the wonders of your word and give us grace that we may clearly understand and freely choose that way of your wisdom through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Matthew 25, verse 14. Jesus said of the kingdom of heaven, it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his ability, and then he went away. The one who had received five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. And the master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with two talents also came forward saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. And the master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward and saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, You knew, did you, that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what is my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For to those who have, more will be given, and they that have in abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have, will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping 
and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. It is so good to be here with you. Um, I come from Bethlehem, Palestine, uh, the place uh, where Jesus was born. Uh, And there I pastor the Evangelical Lutheran Christmas Church. Uh, And the partnership we have with uh, Evanston Presbyterian is is so precious, so rooted, uh, and so deep. Uh, And I'm excited for this reason to be here with you and to see this partnership continue uh, and go to uh, new places. Uh, We have been together as two congregations now for uh, many years. Uh, My predecessor, Reverend uh, Mitri Rahib, came here several times. Uh, This summer, uh, we had the honor of hosting a group of you uh, in our churches and homes, uh, and we had the privilege of having, of course, Pastor Ray uh, in the worship service uh, with us. Uh, It was really a special Sunday. Uh, And today, as I said, this is just another step in our walking together in this journey as trying to serve Jesus in his kingdom, each in our own uh, locations. Uh, Today we will look at the parable of the talents, uh, a parable that Jesus told in the context of his uh, several talks, if you wish, about uh, waiting in faithfulness, faithfulness to the end. Uh, We have several uh, uh, stories that he told, several teachings. Matthew 24, Jesus speaks about the signs of the age to come. He talked about uh, uh, being faithful. He talked about faithful servants, unfaithful servants. Uh, Then in uh, Matthew 25, uh, we begin by looking at the ten bridesmaids, five who were faithful waiting and five uh, who were not. And then now we have the parable of the good uh, talents. And, And the message behind all of this and what comes next in Matthew 25 is clear and simple. Be faithful uh, to the end. Be faithful and be ready. Uh, There will be a time, Jesus, as if to say, I will be away from you, and until I return, be faithful uh, to the end. Uh, But this particular parable uh, of the talents actually gives us something very amazing to learn about uh, mission and and identity, and this is what I will speak about, uh, mission and identity. It's a well-known parable to all of us. We've just heard it being read. Uh, And today I want to highlight a few points that have always spoken to me. Uh, I feel that God has spoken to me through these words for many years, uh, especially in the context of of living in Bethlehem, Uh, what it means as a Palestinian uh, Christian trying to serve Jesus uh, in a land that is marked with with conflict uh, and tension. Uh, And this parable really has, has spoken to me in many ways, and I want to share with you Uh, just three small insights. Uh, And the first being that here we see how God invests in us. God invests in us. The parable begins with the master leaving and uh, then entrusting, and it's interesting, the Bible says, his property uh, to his slaves. He entrusts his property. Isn't that amazing? Um, That uh, a very rich master gives his slaves his, his property. It's, it's a good reminder, by the way, before we go deeper into that, to remember that everything belongs to God, our families, our communities, even our lands, everything belongs to God, we possess nothing. 
But it's also here that we are reminded of the concept of our uh, mandate that we received at creation, our creational mandate as stewards uh, to God's creation. We are God's agents uh, on earth uh, for reasons, to be honest, that are beyond our comprehension. Uh, for these reasons that are beyond our com comprehension, God decided to hand over the creation to us as if to rule it on his behalf. We see this in the first chapter of the Bible. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. God created everything good and then, again, for reasons that we cannot comprehend, he hands everything to us. You see, from the beginning, we understand that God has decided and planned things in his wisdom so that he works in partnership with us. From creation to mission, we learn that God does not play uh, solo, if you wish. He always plays in partnership with us. It's not as if he needs us, and that's the mystery. For sure, God does not need us. But in his wisdom, he has chosen to work with us and through us. To me, this is a humbling thought. A humbling thought that the master creator decides to work with his slaves. But if we are even honest, more honest about this, this is a scary thought. Uh, we, are, we, are, we all know that we are not adequate uh, to this. Uh, if we are honest and when we hear these callings, we might, inc we might be inclined to say, uh, maybe with the third servant, slave, uh, God, it's not fair. You're asking too much of us. Uh, we cannot do it. Uh, why me? Uh, I think of Jeremiah's words. Lord, I am nothing. I am but a foolish boy. Uh, why, why me, uh, Lord? If we are honest with ourselves, it is really a humbling thought, yet a scary thought. But at the same time, this is a very empowering concept a very empowering concept, uh, if you think of it. Uh, empowering in the sense that God is now really using us. Uh, if we understand now this new identity we have, if we understand who we are, what our mission and identity is, really what an empowering concept. When we talk about mission today, whether to our creation, mission to our communities, uh, mission to our cities, uh, let us remember that God has invested in us. And again, it's a humbling and empowering thought. He has invested in us heavily. He gave us his property, as we have just said. But then he also says he gave them talents. Uh, and when we look at uh, these talents, this, the, we should look at them as really big endowments. Uh, in fact, commentators tell us that a talent was more than 15 years' wages of uh, a laborer. Uh, in, in other words, a lot of money, 15 years laborer. I did a small uh, search and I, I saw that uh, the average uh, income of, of a person here in the United States is almost $59,000 a year. So if we're talking about 15 years, we're talking about $885,000. The five talents are equal around $4.4 million. If we want to compare things by today. In other words, this is not simply that, as if the master gave them small tools to work with. He gave them a lot. He invested uh, a lot in these, three, uh, in these three slaves. 
by today's standards and certainly in Jesus' time, this is a big investment. And this is my point that God in his wisdom decided to invest in all of us. And I say here that he decided to invest in us because, um, yes, maybe we've always read this story and see the talents as if it's speaking about the stuff that Jesus gave us, uh, whether our resources, that's how I used to think about the talents, uh, our musical talents, whether uh, our intellect, maybe even education. Um, and that's all certainly true. These are all gifts from God that we need to use uh, for the glory of the kingdom of God. But I believe that the biggest investment here we find in the story is the investment God makes in us, uh, in you and me. He is investing in you and me, in Evangelical Lutheran Church in Bethlehem, in the Presbyterian Church uh, in Evanston. We are the investment. He has given us a lot. Again, we might think when I say this, he has given us, you might think of the resources. But it's much, much more than that. When I think of this story, the single most precious thing that God has given us is his trust in us. That he's trusted us to be his partner uh, in this mission. Again, what a humbling thought, yet what a very empowering uh, concept at the same time. And I say this again in a time when so many mission organizations, uh, it feels to me, uh, we focus so much on institutions, on buildings, uh, on other investments. Uh, but in Bethlehem, uh, with our small numbers as a Christian community, uh, in, in the West Bank, in the occupied territories, we are less than 1%. Uh, and we might think of our uh, uh, buildings as our uh, valuable possessions, but in reality, I think that the most precious thing we have in Bethlehem is to invest in our people, in our young, uh, uh, in our young people. And that is really what's going to make all uh, the difference, uh, I believe, uh, today. Uh, that's why we invest, whether through our schools, through our colleges, through the Bible college, through the youth groups, we keep telling people, you are, our, you are God's uh, investment. And this, this leads me to, to my second point, how uh, God in his wisdom has allocated these talents uh, according to our ability. He gave some five, he gave others two, and of course the third we all know too well, he gave him only one talent, and I say only here, again, it's a lot of money, it's a lot of investment. Uh, and you see, we have a choice here, all of us have a choice. We can compare what we have with what others have. That's our natural tendency. Uh, and um, knowing what we, you know, our nature as human beings, we will always complain. We're never satisfied with what we have. Uh, or we can be simply content uh, with what God has given us. And I don't think this parable is about being content in what God has given us. I think this is much more than that. Uh, it is to have the faith uh, that God has trusted us in something really uh, valuable and he has trusted us with exactly the right thing, the right place, the right time in his wisdom uh, and in his, in his choice. And you see, I've always looked at these three examples, one who received five, one who received two, and one who received one. Uh, and you think that coming from Bethlehem, uh, a place of conflict, of tension, of very lit limited and, and, and very short, uh, very little opportunities. 
uh, where uh, checkpoints, uh, where restriction of movement, where uh, freedom is not there. These are kind of the norm uh, back then. I've always maybe uh, was inclined to think that uh, we are the ones who received one talent uh, in Bethlehem. Uh, but to me, uh, I've always thought the other way. Uh, I always thought that serving in Bethlehem is like receiving the five talents. Uh, because the ones with a more challenging mission or calling are the ones who are given more. And that's how I like to think about it. Uh, as I said, Palestine is a place of, of many, many challenges. And it's so tempting uh, to leave. It's so tempting to seek a life somewhere else. And certainly when we come here, uh, by the way, most Palestinians who visit and then when they go back and you ask them, how was it? Many, most of us would say, it's amazing. We never had to show anybody our ID or our passport. We drove in freedom for hours without being stopped by any checkpoint. Uh, certainly, there are so many uh, um, temptations uh, for us to, to immigrate, to come and live in other places. Uh, and certainly, it's so easy to, to fall into the trap of complaining and thinking, why uh, Bethlehem? Why did you uh, make us or, or, or place us in, in Bethlehem or uh, in Palestine? Why am I here? Uh, but again, it, this is precisely the point. Uh, it's not about comparing or complaining, but being content and having the faith that we are in the right place at the right time and that we have uh, a message. We are God's partner into his kingdom precisely in a place like Bethlehem, just as you are God's partners here uh, in, in Evanston. And again, it's a very humbling thought. And whereas it is sad to see young people leaving, uh, and it's so easy to fall into the trap of looking at the negative side. Uh, as I shared yesterday with those who were with us, uh, God is doing so many great things uh, in Palestine, among the Palestinian people and through the Palestinian church. It's so easy to focus on the uh, negative part, on the occupation, on the conflict, and forget that there are amazing things happening. And today, the message that we keep repeating to our young people, whether in church, in youth groups, in conferences, in the school, uh, anywhere, is that we have a message. And that's why we need to embrace our calling to be in, Bethlehem. in Bethlehem. That's what faithfulness means. We have uh, a message. And I am, again, really humbled when I look at the examples we see uh, in our church, uh, what we are doing, uh, how God is using us uh, in a community, how I see families resisting hate uh, on, an, on a regular uh, basis, creating ministries that teach uh, nonviolence, even though there is constant threat from Israeli settlers to confiscate their land, yet they face that by teaching love and non-acceptance. A family that has placed a big banner in front of their, of their uh, land, we refuse to be enemies. Uh, it's so uh, amazing what God can do through this small example of faithfulness. Uh, when I see what our schools are doing, schools which are uh, of, of hundreds of youths mixed uh, Christians and Muslims, and how we can teach them about loving the neighbor as yourself and how loving God equals loving neighbor and how we are fighting uh, religious extremism not through changing policies or putting laws, but through uh, education and through putting new uh, culture uh, of life and acceptance that we get from our faith. And it's again, it's so empowering to see what we can do if we embrace uh, our, uh, our calling. And I can give more and more uh, examples 
of how God is using us uh, in Bethlehem. And in that, uh, again, it's not simply about being content and thinking, yeah, I'll take whatever we got, but to see that the more challenging the mission is, that's actually a bigger talent and we'll be even rewarded more. And finally, I encourage you to see that faithfulness means getting busy. Faithfulness to the end, the title of the sermon, means getting busy. So often we think of faithfulness as waiting and not changing or not, not changing your principles as if it's a matter of keeping a certain set of beliefs. Uh, so often we think of waiting as uh, fasting and praying and waiting and looking up to heaven and say, come Lord Jesus. Uh, and sometimes people think I'm crazy. I preach to young people in Bethlehem uh, all the time and I tell them, uh, it's sad when I see young people looking in heaven and say, come Lord Jesus, take us. We have so much to give. We have so much to do. Let's get busy. That's the right way of being faithful and the right way of waiting. And in fact, if you look at the parables that Jesus gave, faithfulness to the end is always about getting busy. It's always about being engaged in service, uh, in mission. Uh, this parable is, is a great example. Those who worked hard, who invested, who thought strategically, who used the, used the little they had to produce much more, uh, are the ones who are waiting in faithfulness. Uh, the next story in Matthew 25 speaks about uh, Jesus coming to judge us and he judges us based on whether we have fed the hungry, uh, we have stood in solidarity with the ones who are oppressed, whether we have visited prisons. That is what it means to wait and to be faithful uh, to the end and not simply to sit and fast and pray and think, Lord, come and rescue us. Uh, one of the things I've learned uh, from my predecessor, who you've known too well, Reverend Mitri Rahib, uh, is, is what it means to wait in hope. Um, as I said, many times we think that it is about waiting for divine intervention, yet Reverend Mitri always says, hope is what we do today. And I love that. Hope is what we do today. Uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, once said, hope is knowing that the world will come to an end tomorrow and still going to the field and planting an apple tree today. Uh, and those of us who visited uh, Palestine and who will visit us will see that that's what we're doing. We're in the business of planting apple trees and olive trees, if you wish, uh, uh, trying to make a difference uh, in our uh, society. Yes, I come in a dark place, from a dark place. And over the years, I have had uh, the opportunity to meet many visitors to our land, and I've had many conversations with them about the land, but mainly about politics. Uh, everyone wants to know, how do you solve the conflict? As if, you know, we have all the answers. Uh, and after usually a long conversation about politics and life and settlements and UN resolution, uh, for many years the conversation usually ends with a statement like, well, we know there will never be peace until Christ returns. Uh, and that's a typical way in which many Christians think, unfortunately. I say unfortunately. Uh, but as a teenager, I must admit that I love this statement that there will never be peace until Christ returns because it made Jesus look like this superhero who will come from heaven and rescue us. Uh, yet today, and as I grew in my faith, 
uh, and I actually have read the teachings of Jesus, uh, I no longer believe in this statement. Uh, and furthermore, uh, I have two young boys, and I, can simply, uh, I cannot simply sit uh, and wait. Uh, we have to create a better future. Uh, and in fact, I might sound a bit heretical, I no longer wait for divine intervention. Because I believe first, God has intervened in Christ 2,000 years ago. And second, I believe that he calls us to action. The intervention has taken place. And if God is going to intervene in our broken world today, it has to be through us. So rather than asking why me, I think, or why Bethlehem, or why Evanston, the real question is, why not me? If not us, uh, then who? We are uh, the ones who believed and who were touched by God's love, by God's liberating grace, uh, are the ones to bring this light, this liberty, this freedom to our broken world. Faithfulness is getting busy working, whether here in Evanston or back in Bethlehem. Together, uh, we have to bring the light of Christ to a broken world and a dark world. Let me repeat, we are today God's hands on earth. And when there is so much darkness, this is when the light of Christ in us can shine the most. If not us, then who?